Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. How you doing today, Janie? Uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I went shopping for Transformers and didn't find any Transformers, so I had a walk. Sounds like you've had a terrible day. <laughs> Are you, you feeling better after last week? I am much less sick now. It's really nice. Yay. I'm glad. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm very excited. Um, Jane, you said that you have some news today? I do. For once, we actually have a small piece of Percy Jackson news. Very excited. Uh, don't be. Don't get your expectations up. Okay. Uh, it is literally just that the, uh, the writer's room for the Disney Plus series has officially been put together and they have started writing things. Do we know any of the writers? Um, Joe Trax. Uh, we don't actually know him, but um, we were just talking about Percy Jackson, the musical, and uh, he apparently worked on that. Interesting. And also apparently, also apparently wrote the series Unfortunate Events series, or part of it at least. Wait, what? Looks like it. Huh, that feels like, no offense to the Lightning Thief musical, that feels like a slightly more noteworthy achievement. Okay, yeah, Joe Trax wrote the, like, the book for, uh, the musical. That's fascinating. Wait, hang on. Wait, no, Uh but it's based on a book. Why is there a book about it? (laughs) We're going in circles. I don't know what a musical book is. (laughs) Oh, maybe it's one of those ones that you open and it plays music. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be cute. I love that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, are you ready for me to dive into these chapter summaries? Let's get in. These These were some meaty lads. They were? Uh, this week we read chapters 11 through 13 of The Battle of the Labyrinth. Chapter 11. I set myself on fire. The Labyrinth gang follow the metal spider straight to Hephaestus's workshop, where they meet the god of craftsmen and fire himself, who evaluates them to see if they're his creations before their conversation starts. He starts by warning them against trusting people, his own mother having thrown him off Olympus when she saw his congenital anomalies. He also tells them that it's a waste of time to look for Daedalus, and the price will be great for help finding him. He wants them to go to Mount St. Helens, his former favorite forge before it became a dangerous prison for the Titan Typhon, and figure out who's been sneaking in and using an abandoned forge and what their intentions are. The spider begins guiding them, but on the way Grover is distracted by a hole in the ground that he's certain will lead to Pan, and Tyson declares he will go with Grover because he trusts his friends. They split up to Annabeth's chagrin, and on their way Percy learns that Annabeth was born non-traditionally, made straight from Athena's thoughts and her dad's ingenuity. Soon they reach the volcano, where they find a group of telekines, magic sea demons who forged many of the gods' weapons that were cast into Tartarus by Zeus, who are trying to reclaim the forges of Hephaestus while serving Kronos and making weapons for his army. Percy's discovered peeking in, and he runs back to Annabeth, who's discovered adult telekines fusing metals together to create a blade for Kronos. Unfortunately, the young telekines after Percy burst in, and he tells Annabeth to run. He'll distract them. To his surprise, she kisses him for the first time, then leaves, and Percy is quickly backed into a corner, trapped on all sides by telekines, who begin throwing lava at him. 
he's forced to release the power of the sea within himself to not be burned to death, creating an explosion of steam in the volcano that launches him into the sky. There he fucking go. Chapter 12. I take a permanent vacation. Percy wakes up on a beautiful island, a girl named Calypso tending to his wounds. He slips back into unconsciousness, and when he wakes again, he's in bed in a crystalline cave, clothed in fresh cotton, hair singed, and too much weight lost. When he exits the cave, he walks through a meadow before seeing Calypso at a beach, arguing with someone unseeable who she tells Percy is a messenger. He's been on this island, Ojijia, for an unknowable amount of time after landing in the water nearby. Percy passes out again and wakes up the Calypso under the stars, including Zoe's constellation, the Huntress. He's mainly preoccupied with how beautiful he finds Calypso, though. She gets him to help plant some moon lace, and they talk about gardens and Percy's home in Manhattan, which is how he finds out that Calypso has been exiled to the Phantom Island of Ojijia for a long, long time due to the crimes of her father, Atlas. Percy doesn't think that's fair, and remarks that he knew another daughter of Atlas, but Calypso just looks sad and asks him if he was ready to leave. Percy doesn't want to, though. He's not her prisoner, but he is entranced by her. One night at dinner, Percy asks why she won't let herself be happy, and she explains that it is her punishment for supporting Atlas during the First War. After all, he's her father. Percy's confused because the Titans are evil, but she challenges him on that, and asks if he supports the gods because they're good or because they're family. He asks if she doesn't have any friends who could keep her company. But when she's about to say something, they're interrupted by the arrival of Hephaestus, who lets Percy know that the volcano's eruption caused injuries, illness, the evacuation of millions, and the stirring of Typhon. He warns Percy that landing here could be a plot by Aphrodite, and also lets him know the real best way through the maze, a mortal who can see through the mist, like Ariadne could. Percy's unsure of leaving and fighting Daedalus. Will it even be worth it? Hephaestus says that he has no idea, but you shouldn't judge someone until you've at least tried. Percy walks for a few hours before going back to Calypso, and she tells him the truth. If he stayed on the island, he would be immortal and escape the prophecy, but therein lies her curse. Every thousand years or so, the gods and fates allow a hero to wash up on her shore, and it's always the kind of hero who cannot stay, and the kind of hero she can't help but love. He's surprised, of course, and she offers him the chance to stay, and he imagines it, and it's perfect. But he refuses. He has to help his friends. Calypso picks a sprig of moon lace and tucks it into his pocket, then kisses him on the forehead and shows him to a raft that will take him anywhere he likes, though he will never be able to return. In their last moments together, Calypso manages to smile and asks him to plant a garden in Manhattan for her. Percy promises he will, and sets sail to Camp Half-Blood. Chapter 13. We Hire a New Guide At Camp Half-Blood, a funeral is going on for brave Percy Jackson, son of Poseidon. Until the boy himself washes up there and interrupts. He was gone for two weeks, and pretty much everyone is sad to see he's not dead. Back at the big house, he tells Chiron and Annabeth about pretty much everything except Calypso. When Percy brings up using a mortal to get through the labyrinth, Annabeth storms out, not only because of the idea, but also because she likely figured out whose island Percy landed on. Chiron then fills Percy in. Tyson and Grover are missing. Chris Rodriguez is getting closer to death. And Quintus went missing after venturing into the labyrinth. Percy tells Chiron that Quintus was a spy, but is still surprised they didn't take Mrs. O'Leary with him. Percy goes to see the Hellhound, and after an exuberant doggy greeting, Clarice arrives for training. He gives her his condolences about Chris, and she tells him to kill Daedalus when he sees him, because only someone truly evil could build the labyrinth. 
That night, Percy gets back to dreaming and sees Minos trying to bribe a king named Cocculus to hand over Daedalus before, that same night, being murdered by the king's daughters, who respect Daedalus in his teachings, and Daedalus himself, who flees into the labyrinth to escape death. The dream then shifts to Luke and his cadre, lost in the labyrinth, waiting for Quintus to come through with a solution to getting the thread and mentioning something about an arena whose master they have a truce with. And as the dream ends, they discover a half-blood wandering the labyrinth, likely Nico, since Annabeth tells Percy in the morning that he apparently left the ranch. The two visit Sally, where Percy promises to talk to Pablo about the school blowing up, and Sally confirms that she can see the mess at least a little bit. They then go to meet with Rachel Elizabeth Dare, who is painted gold for a volunteer art fundraiser project. Annabeth and Rachel clash, and Rachel is too cavalier about them being half-bloods, and Annabeth is too territorial. But she does agree to lead them, and even says she's seen one of the marks of Daedalus that marks the entrances, inside her hotel basement. So, what did you think of the chapters this week? These were jam-packed. They were certainly jam-packed. I mean, listen, obviously the standout is the middle one, but overall they were still all, like, really solid. We've debated this. We've debated, like, what was the best set of chapters we've read so far? Mm-hmm. We've had a couple times, and I think this... If I had to pick out a single best chapter of Percy Jackson, it would be chapter 12 of this book. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm with you on that one. So, do we want to start with that, or do we want to you know, maybe end with that, or you know, just put it in the middle somewhere? What do you I think? I feel like we should maybe build up to it. I feel like we're going to have like the most to say about that, should we, so we should get our thoughts on the other ones kind of out of the way first. So let's, so let's start with chapter 11. Yeah. I have an opinion. Okay, hit me with your opinion. I think that Hephaestus rules. Hephaestus absolutely rules. Hephaestus is the coolest god I've seen so far. <laughs> Hephaestus is really... The, one of the things that's really struck me about him is, like, it's a return to the kind of description of the gods that we haven't had for a couple of books now. Where, like, I remember back when we were reading Lightning Thief, we were really struck by, like, uh, the description of Ares... And how he's this huge, fucked up looking biker dude with nuclear explosions behind his sunglasses. Yes, yes. And I feel like none of the other gods have really lived up to that standard since. Until now, where we have Hephaestus, who is like huge and gnarled and his beard lights on fire when he's angry. It's really good. It's so good. Not only that, but like, He's a old, grumpy fuck. He's old and tired and he doesn't give a fuck. But also, like, you totally feel for him because he's been treated like crap his whole life by his family. His mother threw him off, an, off a mountain and he is constantly cucked by the worst guy. <laughs> yeah, I... There's so much fun had here with, like, the different versions there are of myths. Uh-huh. So... Like, take Hephaestus. We've got basically two different versions of his story. In one of them, it's like Zeus throws him off the mountain, like, do like I don't know, protecting Hera or something like that. Uh-huh. And that version is, like, presented as the myth that people know in this, in this book. Yeah. But the other one is that his mom sees him and is like, this kid's ugly, I hate him, and throws him off the mountain. <laughs> and that's... That's the real one, Percy Jackson. Yeah, that's that's the canon ending, I guess. And first of all, we talked about it with sort of the variety of form described in like 
the campi, the fucking, how do you say it? Campy or whatever. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do with like the way that myths present things. And this is one example of that. Yeah, it's, it has, it has the same kind of um, vibe as the um, side quest you can do in Hades about Zagreus being a piece of shit and telling a bard that he and Dionysus are the same guy. And that playing into the fact that there is actually some confusion in Greek mythology between Zagreus and Dionysus. Right, right. It's That's always so cool because yeah. like, these are old, old stories. Of course, there are going to be a million different versions of them. And like you can just like pick one and choose, obviously. And that's that's obviously done here a lot. But also you can use that to its advantage. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know about Rick Riordan's willingness to like take liberties with original myths. You're right. I think like <laughs> if he like if he modeled an entire chapter around like a specific myth and then like made it kind of a standalone story and then like kind of changed some of the concepts around, I think it would really suck. No, I'm talking about the other thing that happened in chapter eleven. Athena, the fucking sapiosexual. <laughs> mind melding with Annabeth's dad and creating her from pure intellectual love I thought that was so funny it's it's incredibly weird I'm into it because like we're learning more about Annabeth in this book and so I think Percy and Annabeth are getting to know each other better and you know maybe eventually it was gonna come up like hey what was your your parents relationship like well they mostly just you know thought the other was smart, and then I came from that. They played chess together, and it was the most erotic thing you ever did see. Athena is not amorosexual, and for that, we reject her. <laughs> this is why Aphrodite is the patron goddess of this podcast. Yeah. I don't have t- big thoughts about it or anything. I just I mean, think it's funny. Me neither. I just think it's weird that now is when we're getting this clarification. I I don't agree, because like last episode we were talking about, isn't it weird that... Athena's like a virgin goddess, but she has kids here. So I think like that kind of answers the question right after it was like after we thought of it. That makes it to, to me indicates that maybe like Rick Ryden was getting pestered on fucking I don't know. This was like two thousand and eight, so Blogspot or something. Yeah, he was getting pestered by like Greek law nerds who actually know about this stuff and were, like, pushing their glasses up their nose and going, well, actually, Athena's one of the virgin goddesses. <laughs> and this is just him trying to get those people off his back. Which, I mean, I guess I respect that. True. And it's also just a fun concept, right? Well, Annabeth just crawling out of Athena's brain. Because that's what Athena did. So, like, learning, I mean, I guess. That, like, oh, her, her kids also all just do that. That's, I guess, another one of those, like, really odd but like interesting things just sometimes you remember the greeks were kind of fucked up and their mythology was real weird yeah what do you think of those those telekines uh they're basically like comedy orcs kind of yeah they're just kind of weird little four-legged guys with like so little dimensionality to them that Percy can slaughter a bunch of their children, and it, it's not really presented as weird that he did that. Did he kill some kids? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, the the when they're in when they're watching the fucking bizarre sex education video, <laughs> he jumps out of the minecart full of celestial bronze and slashes like a, the front row of them. Oh god, is sex a theme here? 
fuck it might be i just realized like if we're getting like more romance stuff we're getting like it's like all that kind of stuff around it then i could see it being like a you know tertiary theme oh god yeah these no these are the relationship traps you're right and i gotta say i i like that they are because they're good they are good actually i have problems with the relationship stuff in chapter 13 uh there's some stuff we can get into about that (laughs) i have mixed i have mixed opinions for sure but the relationship stuff in chapter 11 is certainly cute uh anna meth and percy have their first kiss it's true she gives him a kiss out of pity because she thinks she's he she thinks he's gonna die is how i read it <laughs> you don't think that annabeth just like has some genuine emotional feeling for percy no I, I i think she does but i think she thought oh he's gonna fucking die i should i should do this for him before there is no chance you know that's that's fair and also for herself like i imagine she also wants to kiss her boyfriend that is also very true I, I like that we're, we learn that, like, the, the telekines were, like, kind of got a raw deal by the gods. Yeah, it kind of sounds like they got fucked over. Like, oh, they were practicing dark magic, whatever. Like The, the gods say dark magic. The telekines just say magic. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like there might be a little bit that nobody has, has told Percy there. Mm-hmm. We've, like, barely thought of, like, magic as a concept in this series, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess whenever it's come up, it's been, like, pretty negative. It's like, if she comes up again in these chapters, it was, um, Cersei, Cersei. or whatever. Like, uh-huh. she was a sorceress, and she just turned people into guinea pigs. That's, like, the only time magic has really been a thing, is, like... Guinea pigs? Uh, yeah. And Thalia summoning lightning, Percy, like, I guess all that is magic but it well, doesn't really present it's kind of like god magic it's different yeah it's yeah. different i really like how um this chapter is really starting to like give us an idea of how dangerous percy is because we got we got a little bit of foreshadowing to it with the uh, stable cleaning scene where his powers like almost went out of control uh and then in this chapter he has to use his powers to get out of a tight spot and he almost kills himself and as we see in the next chapter, he does a lot more than just almost kill himself. So it's I'm glad that we're finally see we're getting a bit of um payoff to that prophecy. They're like, oh no, Percy is actually really dangerous. So like I think the way that him accessing the power like within himself is represented as like this horrible pain in his gut, it's really like it's not something that has been called on before. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a new area of sensation for him. I I don't know. I think it might have actually come up a couple of times before that when he's controlling water, he feels like a tugging sensation in his gut. Oh, definitely. But it's certainly never been to the extent that it's, like, painful for him. Yeah, it's the pain specifically that really fascinates me. Mm-hmm. It's like, is he hurting himself just through doing this? Or well, is it just the, the effects of it that are hurting well it seems to like actively consume his body to work because like as, as we see in chapter 12 he looks in the mirror and he looks like he's lost a shitload of weight he also hadn't been eating for a while though i thought um the calypso had been like feeding him and it was just like knocking the neck to back while he was asleep uh i wonder if that like satisfies like you know the calories you need to i guess yeah, it's basically, like, drugs, so probably not. Should we? Is it time? You, I feel like you're excited and we need to do it. 
chapter 12 is the is the best chapter of Percy Jackson. It's true. It is. And I, I can point to exactly the moment that I was convinced of this. Okay. There's a scene early on in the chapter where he's sitting with Calypso and they're looking at the stars together, kind of. But mm-hmm. she's planting in her garden and she's planting Moonlace. And he asks, well, what does it do? And she says, do? It doesn't really do anything i suppose it lives it gives light it provides beauty does it have to do anything else and he says i suppose not and there's a there's a the one of the last scenes of the book is when percy is stupefied at like how could she love him like that doesn't make any sense to him it doesn't mesh with his like Mm -hmm. self-image his thoughts and he says me and she says, if you could see your face, of course you. And he says, but I'm just, I, I mean, I'm just me. And she says, that is enough. And it's, it's not a direct connection. It's not the same words or anything, but it's very much the same like meaning set up and then transmitted across. Well, it's kind of like the, the Titan's curse thing, right? Percy doesn't literally say, hi, I am putting the weight of the world on my shoulders, just like Atlas. But Rick's a good enough writer that he can bring that idea across without having to state it outright. Yeah, exactly. And it's beautiful. It's it's beautiful. Calypso is a perfect character. This is a wonderful like retelling of the myth, a like a re not even a retelling, but like a sort of reinterpretation. This is just a great standalone story. It works perfectly within the story as well. It also, it's great for character, Percy's character. It's great for like where he's at. It's it's like a wonderful little romance. It's like a fascinating, like character study kind of, it's got a lot of implications for like the morality of like the themes of like family and morality and like goodness, badness and like, what you do for family and like what you know family and also like people will sometimes do to you and it's just perfect it's it's also like it's great tragedy because like the the whole idea is like fueled by percy's fatal flaw yes which is like calypso is basically offering him an absolutely perfect get out of jail free card like, he gets to stay on this paradise island with a girl that he likes forever. And into the bargain, he may be saving the world by getting himself out of the way and not having to take part in the prophecy. Exactly. But he cares about his friends too much. So he's willing to throw all that away and risk the safety of the world just to go back and help them. Which just... Ah, ah. I love Percy. He's such a good character. I love Percy so much. This, do you know the original myth? The, nope. uh, of, like Odysseus. Okay, let me tell you to you. So Odysseus oh, washes wait. up on the shore. As uh-huh. soon as you said Odysseus, I twigged. Yeah, no, I do actually know this. But you should explain it anyway. For the listeners, Odysseus washes up on shore. He's on his way home, uh, back from the war. And he washes up on the shore of Ojigia, which is the funniest and most difficult island name to say. Um, and he's met by this nymph named, uh, you know, Calypso, and she keeps him there. And she's like kind of like m- magically keeping keeping him there. Like she's basically, he is her prisoner, 
and it, like the gods like fight over getting him out and like have to convince her to like let him leave basically and eventually he's able to leave because he wants to get back to his wife this is the ancient greek version of the development of yandere simulator <laughs> oh christ <laughs> uh, but I, I i get what you're saying um but that's kind of i mean it's not a shitty myth but it's not it, it wouldn't work for the story yeah no that it would just be kind of weird and out of place it, it's the lotus eaters again kind of yeah basically what works for this story is Percy getting into a tragic romance with with this girl named Calypso. And, like, I don't know. I, like, there's so much. One thing, one thing that I love here. Percy, he doesn't say, like, I need to leave. I need to go back to Annabeth. Mm-hmm. He says, I need to go help my friends. And I think that's perfect. Like, if this had become a story, this isn't a story about, like, Percy is doing something immoral. This this is not that kind of story. Yeah. This is not, like, Percy is, like, you know, like, making, like, betraying Annabeth somehow. It's not that story either. Yeah, it's presented as, like, a completely legitimate choice that he could make. Right. It's giving him that kind of, like, agency because he is he has so much on his shoulders right Mm -hmm. he has an entire prophecy he has an entire he has deities to save and it's saying you can let all that go and he gets a taste of what that's like and it's beautiful but he doesn't he he has to leave he has to leave i calypso is a great character on her own too yeah i really love that like it just kind of steers completely clear of the idea of, like, true love. Yes. Like, Percy is not like, oh no, I, I can't be, I can't have my head turned by this temptress. I need to go back to Annabeth, who is my designated love interest. Like, he, the, one of his last lines in the chapter is like, uh, oh, there it is. Um, for the rest of my life, I would be thinking about her. She would always be my biggest what if. Like, I don't know, I just, I really like the idea that Percy is not judged for thinking that. There's no regret. There's no mention of, like, I feel bad about it. But, like, it's, it's just a perfectly, (sighs) okay. And it's one chapter, right? But it's amazing how much I buy it. Oh, definitely. You can see why, like, after the weight of expectations that's been put on Percy because of the prophecy, that he would be, like, really into someone who is much more chilled out and relaxed and doesn't, like, need things to do things, if that makes sense. Right. That and, like, I can see why she likes him because of their conversation about the gardens in Manhattan. Yeah. And... It's it demonstrates a certain dynamic that Percy doesn't necessarily have with other characters. It's like, and bringing a like a fresh dynamic is like guaranteed to spark something. You know, like it, whether it's like oh this is a cool rivalry, this is a cool like hated enemy. Like it's guaranteed to like make an interesting character relationship, and that is one hundred percent what happens here. I was actually thinking while reading this, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the main show, but I definitely have on the bonus show. Uh-huh. That I got hired a little while ago to write like a weird ASMR sleep story for a really dodgy fitness app. 
Yeah. I feel like a lot of this this uh, chapter could like go in something like that. Like the descriptions are just so gorgeous and peaceful and you really get the feeling that this island is like a paradise from them. The fact that Percy is also like constantly slipping in and out of consciousness really helps mm-hmm. ki- kind of obscure like how much time is passing. Not only that, but it also makes it feel longer. Like it makes it feel like feel like they've had a lot of time to develop just like everything here. Yeah. Although I don't know how much Percy passing out is a result of him being injured and how much of it is him being a 15-year-old getting absolutely wankered on cider. <laughs> that is very... I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's intended to be that kind of cider. There's another kind? Yeah, I've, I, I, it actually took me until I was like a teenager to know that there was like alcoholic cider. Huh, I mean... But I feel like if you're in ancient Greek and you're just like dumping apples in a barrel to ferment them... Oh, certainly. It's going to be difficult to get the alcohol out of that. Absolutely true. Um, I, I, you're probably that's very funny. I did not notice that. Um, <laughs> with some more stuff. I like that they, I like that they challenge each other. <laughs> I like that Percy is being challenged in a way that he hasn't had to be before. Uh, specifically, I mean that in regards to the conversation about like. Are the Titans... There's a specific line she says. I, I want to read it because every single line in this chapter is perfect. Uh, Listen, a lot of this is going to be dead air that gets edited out because we're looking for specific very good uh, quotes in this very good chapter. That's okay. This is going to be a seven-hour chapter 12 fan cast. <laughs> uh, the specific quote that I am referring to is... Percy says, like... Why Why would you support the Titans? Aren't they evil? And uh, Calypso says, Are they? All of them? All of the time? Tell me, Percy. I have no wish to argue with you, but do you support the gods because they're good or because they are your family? And this is like something that was super necessary for the series to get out there. Yeah, I know I was accusing the um, the little demons living in the volcano of not having a lot of, like, dimensionality before. But I do think them talking about how they got fucked over by the gods is really good setup for this conversation. Yes. And we've had little instances of it throughout the books. Like, we know that the gods are kind of terrible to their kids. Luke's whole manifesto at the end of Lightning Thief was like mostly just him stating objective facts and then saying that the solution was to kill everyone but you know yeah it's it's kind of it's a lot like what Luke was saying but repackaged like is there an objective good and evil here of like you know every single titan is absolutely evil that's not a healthy mindset to live in you know not really that's not a healthy mindset to live in in the real world. You can't, like, if you have enemies, you can't, like, think of them as, like, pure evil monsters. You have to, like, humanize them at least somewhat, even mm-hmm. if it's not to sympathize with them. Yeah. It's important to remember that humans can also do terrible things. And we see Calypso. She's trapped here and trapped to fall in love every thousand years. <laughs> and it's horrifying. Yeah, it's, it's almost like... Because Percy often ends up stuck in, like, a weird, fucked-up trap. And this chapter is, like, Percy from the outside looking in. Like, oh no, he's part of the apparatus now. Yeah, you're right. Because, like, he's often being put in situations where it's like, this is actually designed to, like, screw you up, little kid. 
oh look, it's a bunch of spiders that will film a man being cucked and they're going to like eat you. Yeah, that kind of thing. Or like, oh look, you're in a scary hotel. But this is the opposite. He is, he's the object of her affection. He's also the object of her torture. Wait. (laughs) What? From Calypso's perspective, does Percy basically get fridged at the end of this? (laughs) He gets shoved off for her character development. (laughs) The the fridging of Percy Jackson. (laughs) Oh god, we got an episode title, folks. Um, Hooray! Okay. Um, Kind of, yeah, right? Because, like... mm, God, this is a sad ending, too. It's fucked up. It's it's important that we knew it's important that we knew Zoe before this. Obviously, like it, that adds a lot of dimensions here. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like tweaks my heartstrings to see her like stars in the sky and all that. Yeah, it's that's that's a really nice little reminder. Well, not nice, horrible actually, but you know. Y- yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice. It's it's their <laughs> it's the final. It's she's still around. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. The the relationship between her and Percy is not the entire chapter. Oh yeah, we also get to see the re- the return of new best god. Hephaestus arrives because we learn that the gods do come here sometimes to visit her. Mostly to taunt her, it sounds like. Well, I don't know. It doesn't sound like Hermes' concert. It kind of sounds like he just like c- pities her and kind of like, well, this is what's going on outside. Oh yeah, it's so cool out there. I mean, they've got... <laughs> All sorts of like cool technology and you know antibiotics, and you know they've got this thing <laughs> called social media where you can like connect and communicate with like hundreds of people, and you're just kind of stuck on this island on your own, huh? I don't think that's what Hermes is doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I would bet that they're like, I bet Ares or like Aphrodite would do that. Aphrodite absolutely would. Um, I, I feel like Hermes would just be like, well, hey, you know, there's some good stuff. You got, you know, got your cellular phones now. There's some bad stuff. You got uh, global warming now. (laughs) Also that. And you can't plant gardens anymore because everything is a city. That's a fair point. Yeah, Hephaestus basically shows up and basically uh, gives Percy a bunch of reasons why he shouldn't go back. Yeah. He gets out his iPod, basically. And shows Percy a news report that is, oh yeah, uh, you blew up a mountain and half a million people have had to move because you blew up a mountain. I'll never be able to use my favorite forge again. The Titan is, Titan could come back and kill everyone. But hey, look on the bright side. You did incinerate all the children who were in there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Hey, can we also talk about how like, just a really cool idea it is that we have like a super volcano that could one day erupt and like cause an apocalypse and kill millions of people and so in this series it has like the worst monster ever sleeping underneath it like the one that you do not want to fuck with under any circumstances is, is mount st helens a super volcano yep mm, uh i don't believe so let me Wait, let me I check wrong? i'm pretty sure you're completely wrong because i think a it's a stratovolcano, which is a conical volcano built up by many layers of hardened lava and tephra. Oh. Well, then I retract my compliment. It should live under Yellowstone. That's the one. Okay, but that's... That's a terrible place to put it. 
I don't think Typhon is going to come out of the mountain and kill everyone. You you don't? No, I I'm firmly against. If if Typhon comes out of the volcano, everyone living near it will simply just sell their homes and move. You know what? You're right. Wait, that is what happens in these chapters. Never mind. I mean, they eva- they're evacuated, <laughs> and also they die and get they injured. And I think it specifically says nobody died, but that's just because this is a kid's book. In reality, Percy absolutely would have killed some people. Okay, quick detour. Do you think Typhon is the the, the giant monster that was in the that one book cover? Oh fuck, that would be so cool. It would be. Yeah, that if makes sense to... as well because that was a giant lava monster, wasn't it? It was. If if we see Typhon later in this book, I will be pleased. Yeah, because it'll be from the best version of the cover, unlike the shit version that I have. Yes. What else can we say about... Sh- there? I mean, there is more, for sure. Um, who do you think the, the weird person she was talking to was on the beach? I assume that was Hermes. You think Hermes? Well, that's the only other person we really hear about coming to visit her. So, like, I would have to assume. Uh, well, she does call him a messenger. And mm-hmm. Hermes is the messenger of the gods. So, I could see that. But it feel it would feel weird if she didn't just say, like, oh, that was Hermes or something. Oh, yeah, no, actually, it is kind of weird that it doesn't clarify that point. Maybe, maybe she's in cahoots with the Titans. I don't think she's in cahoots. I could see it being, like, a thing. I think it would not ruin this chapter. But if she was, like, actively plotting Percy's demise, that would be bad. Yeah, I wouldn't like that. Do you think maybe it's it's a message from Atlas saying, don't get with Percy Jackson, that little fucker <laughs> is the reason that I am back holding up the sky again? I could see it being a message from from the Titans, for sure. Just like, they could be trying to recruit her somehow, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, to, to what end, I'm not sure, because she can't leave, but yeah. I don't know. I, I'm curious if that's like a plot point that comes back. I think Hermes is probably the safest bet. And I think if it is Hermes, that means he's probably going to be significant later on. Too. Wait, wait. What's, I know who up? it is. Who? It's Quintus. Oh, you think it's Quintus? Yeah, because Quintus fucks off before Percy gets back for his funeral. Yeah, three days before. Oh, wait. Well, you know what? Time passes weirdly on the island. I think he could have shown up yeah you know what fair yeah i let's talk should we talk quintus we should talk quintus i'm weirded out by him yeah it doesn't there's something going on (laughs) he was set up as a very obvious like red herring character and then he just was the thing he appeared to be at face value Right, but it's still, it feels like, oh, there's little hints, like, why didn't he take Mrs. O'Leary with him? What's, what's he really, it doesn't feel right, right? Yeah, like, it just doesn't, something seems up here. Something's up. I, I, chapter, let's talk, let's, let's go to chapter 13. I think let's, we, yeah. If we have more thoughts on chapter 12, we can circle back. I'm sure that we will. Chapter 13, Percy gets back to camp, and you already know that, I said it in the summary. Shows up to his own funeral. Coolest trope. Very Jojo. <laughs> it it was kind of... I mean, yeah, it was a funeral. It was sad. It was like sad to... Like, oh, they're all... They all think Percy's dead, so they're like honoring his memory or whatever. Okay, but... But the Ares cabin kids, like... Cursing when they see him is incredibly funny to me. 
Because, like, they, they, they go back and forth between being, like, normal bullies and just kind of shitty pranksters who try to dunk his head in the toilet. Mm-hmm. And also people who want him to die. <laughs> and we're back. Hello. We took a quick break for you know, having food and also just because doing a podcast takes, you know, you need need to take breaks. Yeah, we should start doing that, honestly. Yeah, this is the first break we've ever taken, honestly. (laughs) It feels good. I think maybe we took one during the um, movie episode with rabbits because, like, having three people on was way more of a clusterfuck. That's true. That's true. But it's good to do them, you know, consistently, probably. We probably should, yeah. So that we don't strain our voices. So I believe we are about to start talking about chapter 13. We, we may have already talked about a little bit of it. I don't remember. Uh, we were dumping on Quintus, I think. Quintus is whatever. He's, I hope, I think it'll be either be awesome. There's some big twist. I, or it'll kind of just suck. I'm hoping that like, I think the only answer that could actually be like interesting and exciting is Quintus turns out to be like ha- to like have his own agenda and be like maybe playing both sides. Yeah, I I'm not even sure how interesting it'd be or like how well executed it could be if he just like is like, "Well, I've been working with you all the time." Like and is like a traitor for against against Kronos. Yeah, cuz like eh. <laughs> There's something there with, like, his brand that's set. I just don't really get it yet. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's... I mean, we basically had the quest rejigged, like, two-thirds of the way through the book. So I guess there's still time for to, to get some development on that. Yeah, yeah. We have we have seven more chapters. Mm-hmm. Hey, also, uh, on that subject... Uh-huh. I'm, I'm a really big fan of, like the way that this is played out where like Percy goes back to Camp Half-Blood just over halfway through the book so that they can like reevaluate and then do something else like that's just I think a really interesting shake up to the formula it's kind of like how we're learning to take breaks <laughs> oh my god you're right it's thematic it's thematic it's very thematic I, so yeah I agree I like the different like structure that we're going for we've had three books where it's basically kind of the same thing and they, they go out, they do a quest, they come back at the end for some foreshadowing. There's a lot of changing it up here that I enjoy. Definitely. Uh, we learn... Okay, so Quintus is gone, but his better half is still here. Big dog. Big dog! It's Mrs. O'Leary. Percy goes to see her, give her some dog treats. She jumps on him and licks his, licks his face and probably almost bites his head off or something. Almost certainly. Normal dog things. Normal dog things. If if my dog was that big, he would try to bite my head off, I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so I'm glad she's still around. Uh, Clarice hates dogs. Maybe they hate her, which is a sad existence to live in. Yeah, justice for Clarice. We get some more, like, Clarice and Chris Rodriguez stuff here. Mm-hmm. He, Chris is apparently, like, close to death. Like, he's... He's, he's Padmeing. Right, right. She just no longer had he no longer had the will to live. It's it's he he is kind of her Padme. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, God. What if Clarice, like, goes to the side of Kronos after this? That would kind of rule. I'm, it kind I'm, of. I kind of do want an evil Clarice arc. I think it also suck. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would turn this into like the kind of trash that we like have been kind of feeling that like this wasn't. But... Yeah, this has definitely been one rung above a lot of YA trash so far. That would very much. I mean, I know you love the prequels. I do. I do love the prequels. The Star Wars prequels. We shouldn't just say the prequels. There are a lot. There are a lot of prequels out there in the world. I, f- but... I feel like if you say the prequels after we just said Padme, I think I feel like people know what we're talking about. People get it. Everyone loves them. Everyone agrees on this. Yeah, but like if you're if we're talking about like the specific arc of like Anakin and Padme's relationship, that would not be a good thing to emulate for yeah, your book. Yeah, probably not. Although J- J- Clarice is kind of doing a little bit of fucking dark side stuff oh yeah go in there kill daedalus he's evil he he's pure evil and he has no like soul and like this isn't a game anymore is i think what she says Mm -hmm. this isn't practice anymore and i i have like two two things to say about this Mm -hmm. Uh, one is how does clarice expect percy to kill daedalus with a sword yeah, but his, that's the thing. His sword is celestial bronze. It's not going to work on a mortal. He's a half-blood. No, he's not. Yes, he is. We learned this last... Yeah, we... Yes. No, I, I think we actually get a blatant contradiction to that in this chapter. We learned that Athena is his mom. Wait, did that actually happen? That actually happened. No, Athena, like, told him to go fuck himself after he killed that child... I don't think that was like I'm disappointed in you, son. Element to that, because you're like, the, so wrong that it's hilarious. But the the reason that he's lived so long is because he keeps putting his brain in automatons. You're so wrong that it makes you look silly. Okay, let, I'm. You know what? I'm gonna pull the trigger. I'm gonna look it up. Uh, page for me, it's page one ninety. It's right after he kills Perdix. Daedalus scowled up at the heavens. I have always honored you, mother. Page 190 for me is the sex ed class. Go to the one after he killed Perdix. <laughs> it was Annabeth's mother, Athena. Daedalus scowled up at the heavens. I've always honored you, mother. I've sacrificed everything to follow your way. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. Fuck. <laughs> okay, well, there goes my theory that Clarice was, like, advocating that Percy beat an old man to death with his bare hands. I mean, she is still doing that. No, 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 she's just saying, like, cut his head off. I thought that it was, like, an unintended consequence that Percy was going to have to, like, hit him with a stick until he fell over. I thought we talked about this last episode. We, we? No, we did. But you're right, we did, because that was how we got onto the topic of Athena fucking. And you got confused. I And I got confused I, again. I think, I think you thought that Athena was Perdix's mom. That would explain it. Or something. I don't know. I don't listen to these episodes. I just edit them. (laughs) (laughs) I had a second thing that is hopefully not going to be just contradicted immediately by looking at the wiki. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, Which is that I really like that, like, being in love with Chris Rodriguez hasn't, like, changed Clarice's character. No. Like, it hasn't, uh, like, done the thing where, oh, she's found love, so she's fixed and normal now. TM. Like, 
She's like, yeah. oh no, as a result of my love for this person, I'm going to continue to be a violent asshole and say, go and fuck Deadless up. Like, she's tender with Chris, for sure. But, like, he's also, like, injured and dying. Mm-hmm. Like, And this is still Clarice. This is still Clarice, right? And I enjoy that. I'm glad that this is not... To me, this isn't a book series, and we can segue right into another topic through this. Mm-hmm. Th- this isn't a book. This is not a book series where it's going to change a character because of like a romance they get into. <laughs> Jane, you said you had some problems here. Tell me your problems. I mean, it's not even like new things because I think we ragged on this in the opening set of chapters, which is Annabeth just being like incredibly overly jealous of Rachel Elizabeth Dare for, like, no reason? Counter-argument. Okay. We've been provided a reason, and it's not that she's, like, romantically jealous or anything. Mm-hmm. Chiron says that, like, Chiron tells Percy that Annabeth is, like, territorial of her friends, and that's perfectly consistent with her character. I, I, I don't think it is. You don't think so? No, because, like, when... Percy was starting to get all buddy-buddy with Luke, Annabeth wasn't, like, telling him to go fuck himself. And I feel like if this was a consistent character trait she'd have, she'd have been a lot more hostile to him about that. They weren't friends yet, though. She's not friends with Rachel Elizabeth Dare. No, but, like, uh, that was... I feel like that's different. I feel like that's different. I don't know. Because Annabeth does kind of act that way about Luke. Like, she's very defensive of him in that way. And she's kind of the same with Thalia a little bit. I suppose. But here's, here's my ultimate counter-argument. Okay. Uh, it's quite annoying to read. I I don't know. I agree in part. I also kind of like it. It's I like that Annabeth and Rachel Elizabeth there don't get along. <laughs> I'd be fine with them not getting along. I just feel like there should be a reason for them to actually have some kind of character conflicts as opposed to Annabeth has a vaguely defined reason to hate her and Rachel Elizabeth Dare is just kind of reacting to that I I, I see what you're saying I I don't think it's too far off base I like that I like that there's I like their little like spat that they have with like Rachel like because they go and see Rachel and she's in doing a funny art performance Mm-hmm. and they go to a cafe and they're like be quiet you can't let anyone know that we're demigods and she just like stands up and shouts like hey everyone these guys have their parents are greek gods and like nobody cares <laughs> like part of that like obviously contributes to annabeth being like yeah okay that bit's that bit's fine i'll concede to you on that and it's also just a good kind of character moment for rachel because we don't know her very well yet I feel like Rachel is kind of like manic pixie Tumblr dream girl a couple of years before that became a thing. She, I can see like somebody being like, uh, she's a mortal girl who gets to experience the world that the other fantastical people are in. She's stealing away Annabeth's boyfriend. <laughs> she's uh, like, she sucks. She's the worst. Like, I, I can see people saying that, like 13 year olds or whatever. That is, you, that very possibly did happen. I guess I'm attributing that to you, is what I'm doing. that's not even what I was talking about. (laughs) Um, I just mean, like, the doing doing a quirky art performance 
standing up and then you know drinking like black coffee as an espresso when she's like 12 like standing up in the middle of a cafe and screaming about she's, demigods she's like 16 or 17 D- listen i don't know how old any of these characters are i i get i get what you're saying though she's she's quirky she's quirky we don't have very many quirky characters though it's okay listen i'm not even saying it as like a criticism like e- even if i was completely against that kind of character which i'm not this was published a few years before that became like a big trope so even then it would be like much more forgivable right i if we're going to harry potter which we always do <laughs> when i when i had any reason to care about those books my favorite character was luna mm-hmm. and i i just i support a quirky character listen i i am an 11th doctor defender so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get up on my high horse about any of this is the 11th one the one who wasn't sexy, but people said he was. Yes. Bowtie boy. Gotcha, yeah. <laughs> the one that's not Dave Strider. <laughs> he, Dave did wear a bow tie that one time. Oh, sure God. did. <sighs> uh, we, got some, we got some dreams. You're just making Homestuck references now. <laughs> this, you did this to me. This is your fault. I didn't say anything. You just made a Homestuck reference out of the blue. Hey folks, listen to our bonus episodes to listen to me suffering through Homestuck. Jane's corruption arc. <laughs> uh, anyway, dream sequences. I like it. They they are good dream sequences. I do find it extremely funny that Percy is like, he is getting so many of these that he is noticing and is relieved when he's on the island and he's not getting them. Like e- Even he is noticing them and thinking it's kind of fucked. Prophetic dreams are really hard to deal with, in my experience. <laughs> Every night, that's like he's getting like seven of them a night. It's it's gotta be dealing some mental trauma. Well, he's he's barely sleeping. Surely, like if he's just in waking nightmares this whole time. Do you think you get like if you're having a vision while you're asleep? Do you think that's restful? Like I, yeah, no, I don't think you're having like REM sleep because like Percy's conscious during these. Right, like, right. Especially during the Luke ones where he can like actively communicate. I don't think that counts as being fully asleep. Yeah, you're right. But in the in these ones, we get to see Percy. Oh, we get to see through Percy. Uh, the death of Minos. Minos getting suffocated to death in a bath. A very like, cool scene. Yeah, it's very good. The basic setup being that like the king would ha- is like harboring Daedalus after he runs away. Mm-hmm. And, like, he he would hand over Daedalus because there's, like, a whole thing with, like, oh, a riddle and some bribes, all that kind of stuff. It's not too important. Yeah. But his daughters, on the other hand, they're, like, he's, like, the only person who will respect us as women. And they're, like, we have, like, functioning brains. Because Daedalus is the king of the male feminists. I, <laughs> I he, he is. He apparently is. This is a more sympathetic view of him for sure. Definitely. It seems like he has maybe moved on slightly from murdering a child. Yeah. And manslaughtering a different child. I like a good redemption story. Yeah. I mean, it seems to actually accept some penance. True. Truly true. We see that Daedalus, like, took Perdix's plan for, like, the immortal body. Mm Mm-hmm. And presumably is, like, living in a Magitek body right now. Yeah, I assume that he is just, like, downloading himself into another body, like a fucking Cylon. I think that's that's pretty epic. 
That's very cool. I'm I'm excited for like for them to meet like just like a bronze robot whose mouth lights up when it talks and it's daedalus. <laughs> Same. We also see Luke. Yeah, Luke's Luke's not having a fun time. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> He's Luke is lost. He's in, lost in the labyrinth, but also in his life. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, there's an arena? See, I thought maybe that this was referring to the arena in Camp Half-Blood, because, you know, Quintus was supposed to be in charge of that. Oh, but they say they have to pass through the arena. No, no, I mean, I I thought that was what it was, and then they started talking about it as like, oh yeah, okay. we gotta go through it. Yeah, yeah. We're going on a bear hunt. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We gotta go through it. Is that a reference? That's that's a reference to a beloved children's book that I just realized you probably haven't read. What is it? Uh, we're going on a bear hunt. No, I never heard of it. I think the... You know what? It doesn't matter. It kind of matters. It's a children's book podcast. D- d- different, different age group. It's picture book okay. stuff. Okay, I gotcha. But yeah, I... You know what I'll freak out if it's the case? What will you freak out? About. I mean, I, I will freak out about if it's the case. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, if they have to, like, fight Theseus in an arena, <laughs> that would be the coolest shit. I mean, it, it'll be either Theseus or they could put um, the Minotaur in there. I mean, it is the Labyrinth. Ooh, you're right. But what if they do both? I want to see the Minotaur again at least once here. Yeah, it feels like it'd be kind of a missed opportunity that to not be like the final boss of the labyrinth like percy has to fight it again like i wouldn't dock points necessarily but it would be a missed opportunity for sure yeah do you think they're going straight from the scene where percy shows up at his own funeral and then straight to the arena where they had the chariot race from battle tendency oh you know this really is the jojo book unfortunately (laughs) i i mean percy even gets blasted out of a volcano what would Percy's stand be? Hmm. We talked about JoJo in like episode one. <laughs> it's been a long while. It's been. A l- I also tried to trick you into watching more JoJo and it didn't work. Right. I don't remember what it's called, but there's a stand from the start of part four, which is just like a water manipulation stand. Okay. Which a serial killer uses and that part's really fun. But I assume Percy would use it for good. I feel like we're drifting off track a lot. We're really far off track. Do we have any more thoughts about chapter 13? Uh, I don't know. The problem is that chapter 12 is kind of a hard act to follow. It's it's not even a bad chapter, but like, I don't know. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It has Big Dog. Oh, they discover Nico at the end. They, oh shit, yeah. That's really important. Uh, <laughs> we need to talk about that. Nico left the ranch. It sounds like he's being manipulated by Minos again. Yep. Turns out when you leave the um, like child on the edge with nothing to lose, like on his own, he will make bad decisions. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> I'm hoping for the best with that kid. I, I mean, he he at least survives long enough to be a gay, right? Because we haven't gotten that yet. He does. We haven't gotten that yet, so we he's not gonna die imminently. I think. Yeah, I mean, you never know what what confessions could come at the end of this book. You know what? That's true. Is wait is oh fuck me. What's up? Is Percy Jackson turning into a harem anime? We need to stop the Calypso, podcast. Annabeth, and also we need Nanico. to stop the podcast. 
We need to stop the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Let's go to the Percy Jackson is not safe set zone. Let's go to the yeah. Let's go to the zone. Fuck uh, me. Uh, <laughs> who nominates someone? I'm going to nominate Calypso because uh, I'm relatively certain that she doesn't specify that it's just male heroes that show up on her island. Literally going to say the same thing. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't care to check because I don't want to be contradicted on this. I. I don't think she does specify. That'd be weird. Yeah. So I. That. That's. I'm sorry that I stole your pick. It's okay. Um, you're stealing a lot from me this week. <laughs> my. My energy. Ten years off your life. My money. What? Jane mugged me before the podcast started. <laughs> Listen, I needed the money to buy my copy of Book 5. Uh, who else? Uh, Rachel Elizabeth Dare is quirky. She's in an art program. She's raising fun- money for the arts. Uh, Rick Riordan cares about schools and stuff. Uh, he has opinions. Uh, she's bisexual, probably. Yeah, she has, like, theater kid energy, I think. <laughs> Which, like, she has... automatically puts you in that category. Tends to be true, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. And we're, we're also sorry. <laughs> this is this was kind of a long one, and we got off track and said a lot of bad things, and we're sorry. But it's okay. You, 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 you forgive us. Thank you. Thank you. So, if you'd like to reach the show, check out our Twitter. We got all our links there. It's our email, our Discord server, all that. And to our Patreon, where you can, if you like us, you can support us by... You know, giving a little bit of money so we can continue making the show good. Yeah. And also rating, reviewing, telling your friends. All those really help a lot. If you want to check our Patreon, it's a, it's as low as a dollar a month. Where you can get a special role on Discord marking you as a camp counselor. For $3 a month, you get an even special role as a friend of Dionysus. And access to all our bonus content. Uh, where we, we talk about things like uh, Homestuck. We t- uh, hopefully that's appealing to some of you. Um, Jane has never read it. Now she is because I'm forcing I'm it. Tr- reading too. it currently, it's Whew. bad TV. She likes it. Uh, bad TV shows. Um, good TV shows. Lots of stuff. If you're feeling especially generous for five dollars, you get the special stroll of Aphrodite's Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a shout out at the end of episodes. Speaking of, uh, this week we'd like to thank uh, Mercy, Veronica Friend, and Erica Pussy Looking Like a Hamsteak Faye. Why did she say that? <laughs> Listen. Thank you, everyone. I was bitching about Homestuck in a server that we're both in, and she changed her name in that server to Pussy Looking Like a Hamsteak. So God. I'm exposing her to the world. I'm exposing the, the hamsteak ass pussy. Horrifying. <laughs> and I have to bleep that. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks, everyone. As we say at the end of every Wait, wait, episode. stop, stop. Oh. As we say at the end of every single episode, as I, as I say, as I say, and as you say. I thought you But forgotten. I say this part. I say this part. Every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. Bye. Bye. <laughs>